0: Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Rebel and the Rake by Emily Sullivan. This was just published in 2021 and full disclosure, we did get a free copy from NetGalley. And this is the second book
1: in the League of Scoundrels series and I believe we did record the first one.
0: We did. It was called A Rogue to Remember and we like loved it. We basically just raved about it.
1: So here's the problem with the series, you guys. And by problem, I mean best thing about. The male protagonists are all part of the spy network Mm -hmm. of the United Kingdom. And if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know that is essentially my kryptonite. (laughs) And I can't be trusted. So, again... Liked the last one. Liked this one. Have no idea if they're actually good, but there are spies
0: involved. <laughs> they're they're they are actually good. These are actually good books, guys. I can't be. I, <laughs> I can't worry. be objective. I'm just being honest. I can't be objective. <laughs> but we. I mean, we have a lot to talk about with this book. There's we a lot of stuff going do. on in these books too. Yeah. So, let's get to it. So There's the jacket. The book jacket. Hmm. He holds her fate in his hands, she holds his heart in hers. Rafe Davies might seem like just another charismatic rake, but in reality he is one of the Crown's most valuable agents. As relentless as he is reckless, Rafe has never come upon a mission he couldn't complete. But when he encounters the intriguing yet prickly lady's companion Miss Sylvia Sparrow while on assignment at a Scottish house party, he finds himself thoroughly distracted by the secret of beauty.
1: Though most women would be thrilled to catch the eye of a tall, dark, and dangerously handsome man, Sylvia is through with that sort of adventure. She trusted the wrong man once and paid for it dearly. The fiery blue stocking is resolved to avoid Rafe Until a chance encounter between them reveals the normally irreverent man's unexpected depths and an attraction that's impossible to ignore. But when Sylvia begins to suspect she isn't the only one harboring a few secrets, she realizes that Wraith may pose a risk to far more than her heart.
0: And I mean, you know, it's, it, it, there's a lot of words in here. Okay, <laughs> a that's one of... way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, a, I don't know. It's okay. I, I felt this way, I think, with the first book jacket too, is that you don't really get the charm of the book. Yeah, I also think.
1: Okay, so one of his big things about being an agent of the crown is, and this is getting a little bit into tropes, he's an overlooked younger son of a second marriage who is disdained by his older relatives. And so a lot of his military career and subsequently his espionage career is directed at gaining respect he never had from his disdainful older siblings.
0: Mm -hmm. I think
1: that gives him a lot of his depth. That, like, a lot of his roguishness is an act. Right. Simultaneously, I feel like she trusted the wrong man once, she's a blue stocking, doesn't get into, she's a suffragette who was imprison- imprisoned. Right. They both have a lot more depth than has gotten out in this book jacket. Yeah.
0: I mean, the, the important parts are there in the book jacket. He's a spy. She's a blue stocking with a past. They meet at a house party. But the depth is missing, and what makes this charming and particularly interesting is missing. Well, as usual, we generated a random number, and then we wrote our own summaries based on that number. So let's see if we get across some more of the depth that you're looking for. Uh, And for this episode, the number we generated was 35. I'll I'll just go ahead and read my 35-word summary. The only possible reaction when you're being blackmailed because of your progressive past, then discovered in an illicit act by your crush, is to tie you to a chair and do whatever you deem necessary.
1: All right. Again, I didn't read your summary before I wrote my own, and there are some scarily similar themes. (laughs) One, I'm glad we both got at her progressive past. Yeah. Yeah. And his use as a sexual object because spies are hot. Yeah. We're really breaking the mold with this one, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> What's your summary Lane? Like? Woman who is scandalous because suffragettism is black being blackmailed. Spy is sent to uncover the person stealing secrets from the house party host. Obviously, she sees right through him, catches him, and uses him sexually
0: yeah yeah i uh, we both really like spies in romance especially historical romance i will say once in a while the spies can be a little frustrating because they do things that we don't feel like would be plausible especially for a good agent i thought that Emily Sullivan did a really good job here of making Rafe not like not competent, but also it was totally plausible for him to be caught by Sylvia, basically. Okay. No, I was about to talk about the exact same thing. (laughs) We're we're just the same person, apparently.
1: Sometimes it's terrifying. He seemed like a competent spy who had, had years of experience, who knew what a good spy behavior was. And every instance when confronted with her, he went against his professional instincts to follow his heart. Yeah. And I was so willing to be on that ride. He was like, he never did something stupid under the guise of this is good spy behavior. Right. right. Every time he did something stupid, it was like, oh, this is stupid, but she's so hot. And it made all of his really bad choices makes so much more sense.
0: Yes. Well, cuz he would be like, "Uh, if I was going to keep my cover, this is what I would say, but I don't want I don't want to be fake with her, basically."
1: And so it was twofold, right? It was a personal attraction to her that led him to want to be forthcoming even when the mission would dictate he not be. But it was also a sense of unease about the mission itself. Yes. Yeah. And I felt like the combination of those two things really worked for me in terms of, of convincing me in normal circumstances he would be a really effective spy. Yeah. But it was both his interest in her and his suspicion that something wasn't right, quite right about the assignment mm-hmm. that led him to behave in ways that were exposing.
0: Yeah. It was, it was, it was very good.
1: It really was.
0: So, tropes. He's a spy. Did we mention that that's a thing we do? (laughs) I mean, look, last year when we read the first book in the series, we loved it so much that we changed our schedule around to read another spy book.
1: Because we both really like spies. (laughs) And I know know that members of the aristocracies of spies are, like, unrealistic or whatever, but he's the fifth son. (laughs) I'm sorry, he's the fifth child. of an Earl who is largely passed over and ignored by his family and his mother was an actress
0: who taught
1: him the ways of disguising both his feelings and his aesthetics so I didn't care I bought it he was perfect I
0: did love him I mean I loved him in the first book I loved him here can I say I mean it's not like he was really developed in the first book but I immediately was like yeah I want to read about Rafe because spy. Yeah.
1: What are some other tropes? Okay, so one of my favorites in this one is she's a fallen woman living under a secret identity. So mm-hmm. secret identity.
0: For both of them, but yes. I'm
1: talking about her specifically in this moment, Okay, okay.
0: Sorry. And because
1: of her assumed role, she dresses very dowdily. Mm-hmm. And her employer and the employer's niece, who op- also happens to be her best friend, who is in on her duplicity, start conspiring to like get her to look a little nicer.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: leads to one of the most revealing moments in their relationship is her in a last minute altered gown from the friend where she just looks smashing instead of dowdy. And while it doesn't make the hero fall in love with her for the first time, it makes the hero realize other people might fall in love with her too. So he has to like get on it. Right. I was so (laughs) here for that distinction.
0: I love that. I do too. I love that. So she does have a secret past.
1: As a blue stocking suffragette.
0: Yes. She's still a blue stocking. She's just not talking about her... Scandalous suffragette behavior. And she has changed her name. hmm Yes. So she's under an assumed name. And I mean, really, it's all because of her best friend's husband, actually, that she's done this. She probably wouldn't be quite as secretive if it weren't for this man who you assume is an abusive husband.
1: Yeah. The best friend's relationship is so clearly set up in this one. And props to Emily Sullivan. I did not feel that it took away from this romance to have the next one so blatantly foreshadowed.
0: I mean, I just, I'm ready to read that one now. (laughs) What can I say? Guys, the hero is going to be
1: another spy. (laughs)
0: Um, I do want to say this is something about the series that I think is really interesting is that the heroes are, yes, all spies, but they are all s- sort of disillusioned spies. Uh, we are gonna be talking about that later at length,
1: and that is not a trope.
0: Isn't okay, there is not a trope, but I do I like it. Me too. <laughs> okay, another trope. They're at a house party. And to build off that trope, there's
1: a dance one night, and he claims the waltz quite emphatically. <laughs>
0: Feel the march on the other men.
1: (laughs) Specifically to Waltz, because the Waltz is so erotic. Yeah, we all know. Um, I also want to point out, Trope, all of their bonding moments occur in the library. Yeah. And the library is meant to telegraph that he is not as shallow as he seems.
0: Also, speaking of the library and how we can tell he's not as shallow as he seems... He wears reading glasses, guys.
1: Oh god! So the opposite of like the woman takes off her glasses and she gets hot. The one, the man puts on his glasses and he gets vulnerable and intros- introspective. And all the women are like panty drop.
0: I mean, it. It look we we have gone on. We've already talked about Indiana Jones, <laughs> but um, it's the Indiana Jones drop.
1: Never you know? enough. We can talk about it more. <laughs>
0: But anyway, okay. Are we good with tropes? Or are there any others you want to talk about? Um,
1: I think the only others we talk about is like interfering employer aunt figure.
0: Yeah, sort of a meddling, matchmaking employer, not mother. But she's yes. also the old lady who has so much life behind her.
1: Yes. Yeah, so she, I think she is a trope. And I'd also point out that in this case, he's a spy on, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, On sort of the first assignment that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Where not necessarily his superior in the sense of his director, but his reason for being there is suspicious. Right. I think both of those are really trophy in the romance world. Also,
0: Scotland. Oh, yes, Scotland. Duh. All right. Let's talk about this book. I mean, we really liked it. I think that's clear already. But I think one thing that I liked, I like it. It's not as important to me, I think, as it is to Lane. But these are two main characters who both have secrets. I mean, Rafe's secret is pretty obvious. He's a spy, so he's, you know, got a... He doesn't have a secret identity, but he's got a cover, right? He has a persona. Yes, yes, a persona. Thank you. Sylvia, on the other hand, has a scandalous past that she's trying to keep secret. She's also, I don't think this is a spoiler because we find out in the second chapter, she is the one who's stealing the secrets. She's being blackmailed to, to Thieve, right? So she is the person that he is looking for. So let's take a, a backpedal.
1: The guy hosting the house party has called Wraith in for two reasons. He's receiving threatening anonymous letters that imply there are several Scottish townspeople who are unhappy that he has purchased the estate from the Scottish family and Scottish nobles who previously oversaw the town. Mm -hmm. And second of all, high value documents have gone missing from his study. Right. Rafe is called in by his brother, who is a high ranking lord, to use his espionage skills to identify the perpetrator of both crimes with the assumption that everyone involved believes them to be the same person. Mm-hmm. Sylvia is at this house party as the lady's companion. Of an aristocratic old woman. Mm-hmm. Sylvia is there both as a lady's maid and as a secretary typist for the mm-hmm. old lady's memoirs, which the old lady is working on while in Scotland.
0: And as it turns out, she is the one who has stolen the high ranking documents. Correct. So she's not the person blackmailing. The owner or sending the threatening
1: letters to the new owner of the castle. She is being blackmailed by a mysterious entity to steal the documents from the study.
0: Yes. And the reason I feel comfortable bringing bringing it up in this podcast is that this is not made a secret. So it's not like halfway through the book. He discovers that she is the one who stole these documents all along and you as the reader are like, oh my God, I had no idea, right? No,
1: you're you're introduced to her false bottom chest very early. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is just something that like ladies maids kind of have laying around.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, but then you also understand why she's being blackmailed. So you know that she was suffered that you know that she was trying to um organize uh prostitutes and other workers uh you know that she was imprisoned um you know about her past so you know not only that she's being blackmailed and that she's stolen these documents but you also know why she's being blackmailed right so she's keeping the secret from Rafe, and he's keeping the secret of his um Employment from her, but none of this is being kept a secret from you as the reader. And Meg is correct. This pleased me. <laughs> yes. All right. Should we talk about disillusioned spies? Uh, 100%. So,
1: one of my favorite lines he had, so he initially joined the Navy. Yes. So he was initially a military man. And as you may recall from the first book, P.S. I don't really, so Meg's about to clarify some things for me here. The mm-hmm. guy who had been the ringleader of the spy, the, the, the organizer, the commander, mm-hmm. recently passed. Right. And in his passing, a lot of weaknesses in the way the current system is set up were exposed. Yes. And those weaknesses have led Rafe himself to question. Consider like who the current status quo is really enabling and supporting. Mm -hmm. Like, there are things about British imperialism he doesn't wish to question. Yeah. And he publicly feels a need to support, but it's very clear that things like the suffragist movement and the colonial empire are things he he grapples with. Right. And that is sexy as hell.
0: (laughs) I mean, is it super historically accurate? No, I don't care. Do I love lines when he's like, oh, maybe we maybe the British Museum shouldn't have all these Egyptian artifacts in it and they should be returned to Egypt. I mean, yes.
1: I mean, repatriation, 150 years early. Hell yeah. Yeah, right. Like, thank you, Rafe. I also really loved when he was just like, oh my god, is the status I'm supporting my shitty brother? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes, Rafe. It is your shitty brother. It's, it's, it, it, this is, this is like spy catnip for both of us. We love it. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend that this isn't pandering to me personally because it is. I don't care. <laughs> you know? No, like, if, if you're going to write something for me to read, and it's exactly what I want to read, I'm not going to be upset about it. And I think
1: building off of that, there is only one acceptable conflict in spy novels. hmm And it is the man cannot reveal he's a spy. Right. Obviously. And this has that. It's not like some bullshit layered upon. Right. Oh, reason he's not being forthcoming with her. She, however, has her own motives, which I also totally bought.
0: Yes. So, oh my God. Yes. Yes. Look, did did I love the inevitable third act breakup? I never loved them. Did I like how this one played out? Yes, I did. I I fucking loved it. Oh my God. He's like, interrogating her, and it's, like, this whole thing, and it was amazing.
1: It was I just, just a it. really, I know that, gun to my head, a very reasonable for a breakup.
0: <laughs> I know, right? I know. I, I never will love it. I will never love, like, just the fact that it happens. Not even if it's a breakup. Like, in our favorite, Mr. Impossible, he, they think he's dead. <laughs> right. And they just, they get separated for like a couple of chapters. It's not even that many chapters. It's only like one or two, but even then I'm like, I want them to be together, you know? (laughs) Okay. And this gets back to, I believed 100
1: billion percent in their compatibility. Yes. An overlooked son of the aristocracy who tried to find a position by which he could do the most good. Matched with a woman who'd been fighting for the rights of the downtrodden on English shores.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Really worked for me as a couple. Mm -hmm. Like both Mm -hmm. of them in a way trying to hide what made them unique. Mm -hmm.
0: I loved this couple. I totally bought it. I, I also loved how their secrets came out. Yes. And this is also the reason why I could, again, third act breakup, never my favorite thing. If you're going to do it, you have to do it like this. Yes. Basically.
1: I completely the, agree.
0: Yeah. The The only other thing, uh, so I wish there had been just a little bit more of them falling in love. Because the beginning of the book is they're at this house party and they're they're actually both actively trying to avoid the other one. <laughs> She's trying harder than he is. They're I mean they're both trying not very they're they're trying to avoid each other but not succeeding very well. And which, not actually which trying. I love. Which is important. Which I really like. The yes. problem is when they when they do have conversations they are pretty short. I would have liked them to have been longer. That's about it.
1: Yeah there's there's one scene where actually there's a couple scenes but i'm thinking specifically of her friend paying, p- playing piano and she cries mhm and both of them reading between each others emotional responses and like seeing the truth of each other is supposed to do a lot of the emotional heavy lifting other than talking to each other but i right. think because the secrecy and the lies were so well justified. I was willing to buy into a lot of the nonverbal communication as foundational mm-hmm. to the relationship more mm-hmm. than I would in a usual romance novel.
0: Yeah. I mean, I still loved this book. Yeah. I just. That's all. No, I totally um, get it. And so then I think the other thing is her assumed name is Sparrow, Sylvia Sparrow.
1: Yeah, no, trigger warning, birds are triggering. I hate them.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of, he, like, him thinking of her as a little bird. I mean, that's his that's his pet name for her. He's like, oh, my little bird, or, you know, a little bird. Why if it? you
1: take a fake name, you take a fucking bird. It's beyond me.
0: Well, at the end, um, there was a little line, too, where she thinks about her mother, and her mother called her a little bird, or maybe even a, a sparrow. What and and I really want like, okay, so is that
1: for the guys I'm having sex with, in uh, you know, in a study when mom's was caught, to remind me of my mom. That's really what I'm going <laughs> for.
0: It was, it was before that, but it, I did like, I actually did like how there was a tie-in with why she chose the name Sparrow. That's all. Birds are dumb. <laughs> I love birds. I know We're this is like
1: birds. the hill we will both die on. <laughs>
0: um (laughs) did anything offend
1: you no the only trigger warning I would definitely put out there is for domestic abuse it's pretty clear that Georgiana is a woman uh, stifled by her marriage at the very least being emotionally abused but implicitly being physically abused as well whether or not that's the truth that's what people believe Right. And, you know, even her closest friends, her aunt are not doing anything about it if she's not willing to ask for help. Yeah. And that was difficult to navigate with a modern perception.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. That said, I feel like even with a modern perception that's how people act. They say, you know, I know this is happening and the person refuses to engage. What are you going to do? I just think what that- can you do?
1: distinction I'd make is that obviously legally women are their own people right so while emotionally I think there are a little a lot of similarities and you're right to point that out um there are a lot of resources for individuals experiencing domestic abuse and um I I think the absence of that was very felt reading this Mm. um and and Domestic abuse hotlines exist if you call 911 if you're being domestically abused. I mean, there was that major story a couple of years ago about the woman who claimed to be ordering a pizza. And they were like, hey, ma'am, I think you have the wrong number. And she was like, no, I have the right number. I would like a large pizza. And the 911 dispatcher was able to say, like, hey, if he's got a gun, say pepperoni. Right. Mm-hmm. So so um, I, I, would, I would hope that anyone in a situation like that this day and age would know that resources were available to them.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's what was tough too, you know, like Sylvia wants to help and she keeps asking to help and there's nothing that can be done. Yep. All right. Pivoting to sexiness. Uh,
1: Okay. So the first half of this book is really chaste. Yes. It's him feeling like hitting on her doesn't fit with his snobbish, rakish seducing of widow's image. And it's her feeling extremely vulnerable because she's being blackmailed. Right. And the two of them, as Meg said, recognizing that developing even affection for one another in a social setting is, is not in their best interests and, him particularly pursuing it anyway. And then it gets turned up to a billion. And I don't...
0: I didn't... My, what? Um, I just have to say... When she ties into the chair... Is, <laughs> I have never read a scene like that. So props to emily sullivan for giving me something i've never read and we all know that we have read like a million romance novels
1: not enough more romance novels please
0: i mean we will continue to read them but like yeah. i was like what i i had no idea she was gonna go there it was amazing
1: it was spectacular
0: it w- it was spectacular it really was it was amazing it was oh just my okay so like
1: Minor spoilers. He's clearly there to identify the person blackmailing, perpetrating, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's clearly there just to like desperately cling to this one job and shred of respectability she has left. Mm-hmm. And so when she's attempting to shut this blackmailer up and and fulfill this individual's request and he pursues her, she unknowingly traps him. And it is sexy as hell.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. It's Amen. amazing. Oh, my God. So, yeah, she ties into a chair. They have, like, a conversation. And then, basically, he's like, do you want to sit on me? <laughs> I don't want
1: to... Honestly, anything else would be a spoiler, and I can't, but just know you should read it.
0: Okay, okay. So, that uh, is the first... Um, Sex scene and it's very hot. There is also and there's we, more. Yes, we didn't put this in tropes. We should have. There's a quick, quick. Someone's coming, so kiss me.
1: Yeah. So they're both. They kind of realized that someone they both had innately not trusted, but sort of been taking at face value as shallow and duplicitous, but like believed their motives. Probably couldn't be trusted, mm-hmm. and they both go to investigate that person simultaneously,
0: mm-hmm. and then sexy times ensue. It's, I mean, it's it's quick. Someone's, someone's kissing, so quick. Someone's coming, so kiss me as the distraction. But then they're like, "Why stop?" But also, like, they might still be
1: listening, so might as well be giving them dialogue and action that supports the mm-hmm.
0: concept of why they walked in. Uh, And then I think Elaine was really pleased because she's always a little frustrated if there's no sex after the conflict is resolved. Yes. So full disclosure,
1: I forgot the order things happened in this book and Meg had to remind me, but yes, I am 100% on board Mm -hmm. with their makeup in, because the two times they have sex, they're not, Totally on the same page.
0: No, or no. at least
1: the, they engage in sexual activities. The first time, obviously, she's got him tied to a chair, right? And things happen. And the second time, they're both still working their own purposes, and mm-hmm. they aren't on their same the same page about what a potential future between them would look like. Mm-hmm. Then they break up. They break up, and they get back together, and then they have sex on the floor. And
0: I'm just, I'm
1: so here for it. Mm -hmm. I'm
0: so here for it. Uh, And let me just finally say, to close out this episode, I fucking loved the epilogue. Thank you so much for listening. If you feel so inclined, you can rate, review, subscribe, and check us out wherever you can find plot truths on the internet.